0: What is up guys, welcome to episode 36 of the Triage Method podcast. Today we're going to be talking a little bit about sports. It's a highly requested topic because a lot of people obviously play sports and strength training seems to have some sort of role in that, I've been told. I'm here with Paddy Farrell in his home. How are you, Paddy? I am
1: absolutely fantastic, as per usual, Gary. Why wouldn't you be? (laughs) Exactly, that's that's exactly it. But yeah, like you said, we're going to talk a little bit about... We're going to say strength training in sport, but we're actually going to just talk a little bit about training in general for sport. Uh, and this kind of is on the back of the last podcast on volume and intensity. Um, and we kind of dove, or dived, whatever the fuck the conjugation of that verb is, uh, in deep with regard to <clears throat> how you should kind of think about structuring your training if your goal is to build muscle. Now, this brings in something that... Is kind of glossed over in the fitness industry because although it's obviously basically the fitness industry is run by or the information that's put out by uh the fitness industry is run by these overlords uh, like lizard overlords uh, no uh, it's basically run by people that all, all they do is go to the gym yes right so they're putting out information that's going to help like gym goers like that's just who it is however is it essentially a fringe niche of the overall fitness industry. Yes. Like, if you look at things, like you look at the amount of people doing bodybuilding, say, versus the amount of people that play soccer. And I'm delineating soccer for ease of use rather than saying football because people will be like, wait, which football? You know? <laughs> but just think about it, the amount of people that are doing bodybuilding or even just working on their body composition. And I'm including like general pop in that, in terms of you're just going to the gym to look a bit better, to feel a bit better whatever else you know the amount of people doing that versus the amount of people playing actual sports it's probably a lot less even though you may think it's a lot more Mm -hmm. you know because also you have to think that a lot of people are going to gyms are also playing sports you know so it's quite strange that the the fitness industry always focuses on this group of essentially catering towards bodybuilders or people that are looking to really change their overall physique and that then trickles into the, the training for these people that are training for their sports, which, which is kind of unfortunate because it changes or deviates the plan from what it ideally should be given your goals. Which is then confounded by the fact that these people that are training for the sports, whatever sport it is, then start looking at these bodybuilders or these fitness types and start going, oh, I want to look like that as well. Right, so they start getting this trade off in their own head where it's like, Oh, I want to look a certain way, but I want to perform a certain way. And those two training methods that'll get you to those two endpoints aren't necessarily conducive to each other. That's not to say they're dichotomic to each other, that you can't do both or that you can't achieve both, because you certainly can. But if you just go down the rabbit hole of just doing one style of training that's potentially going to maximize one of those outcomes that doesn't necessarily mean you'll get the most out of the other outcome. Like if you just do a lot of bodybuilding training, yeah, you may gain 10 kilos and be jacked out of your mind, but that doesn't mean your sporting performance is going to improve, right? So how the fuck should we actually train for sports? You know, like we were obviously talking about volume and intensity the last time, right? Mm -hmm. Which makes a lot of sense and we'll kind of continue the discussion here, but at the same time, Not continue the discussion here because it needs to be touched on, like how you should organize your training in terms of we'll call it periodization. But the major thing that needs to be touched on is what are your goals as as a sporting person, athlete, even recreational. Like, how how should we think about our training, Gary? Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, so I think the the first thing to start off with is to realize that you know a lot of people when they when they look for training programs, like I've even had this with clients they kind of fail to even like, acknowledge the fact that, oh, I actually play a sport three or four days a week as well. As if it's just something that's so kind of normal that it doesn't even need to be factored in. And, as, as, and you can just kind of go on and follow some power program or some bodybuilders program because that's just how you do strength, strength training. So what you have to realize is that although you mightn't think much of your three or four days of sport that you play per week, whether it's so a combination of training and actually playing, you might not think much of that because you've been doing it for so long but it actually is still a big training stress okay so you're obviously accustomed to that at this point but what you're not accustomed to is those 3 days of training along with maybe another 4 to 6 days of strength training because that's something that realistically only elite athletes are going, going to be able to tolerate unless they've unless you like you've gotten to that point over years and years and years and years so i've seen this with people where they start They go from playing GA three days a week, you know, they're training three days a week, and they're also, you know, playing at the weekend. And what they do is they just jump on this kind of strength training programme that's designed for people who are only strength training. So that's kind of where you need to start. You need to start and
1: and with that as well, they'll jump in at the highest possible volume. Like they'll literally be flicking through Instagram and see some guy comes out and goes, Oh, push pull legs six days per week is the best method for gaining size and strength right and they are like yeah man i want some size and i want some strength so push pull legs it is right and it's like th- there is so much overlap now in terms of what you're training in the gym and what you're doing outside the gym it's like i don't know like many people that could actually recover from that now i'm not saying that you physically can't recover from that in terms of you're going to have this like catastrophic breakdown and your <laughs> legs are going to fall off and whatever else but i mean like by recover i mean you're actually going to make timely progress you know and not just progress which people generally categorize as progress in like that kind of first six weeks of training where you're just kind of getting accustomed to the exercises that kind of more neurological stuff and which does have its place and no doubt Um, but you're just kind of getting used to the exercises and you're progressing you're like this is easy man the first six weeks of this was was literally was piss easy so i'm gonna keep like keep going like this which is kind of a deceptive thought
0: Yes, sir <laughs> yeah, so the thing is right you are you are if you are playing sports right let's assume that you're not even strength training already, okay so you are you are playing sports, you do already have some skills developed you've actually got a, a base of muscle developed you know you so you, you've got that fitness that's kind of laid down already, and that does actually do you some benefit as well so that's kind of the thing I don't want people to think about is' like we're not going we're not going to suggest in this podcast that oh because you play sports three or four days a week, you should just do training weight training like one day per week because you can't tolerate it like realistically you have kind of increased your your baseline of training tolerance already above someone let's say who is coming from no fitness background at all and they can't tolerate anything so it's not like it's not a case that you are at a massive disadvantage of the other type of beginner because you do actually already have a foundation of fitness that's there and that'll actually kind of serve you well too so we need to kind of think about that so i suppose the main the important thing to think about is just having a framework of saying right if i'm going to attack a program that is designed for let's say normal strength trainees who are putting all their time and effort into strength training then i should start at a lower level of volume and a lower level of intensity than those people and i should also consider what parts of the program help me out best with my sport and that kind of, that's kind of where we'll we'll leave the volume and intensity discussion for a minute because what we need to actually address is the needs analysis discussion, okay? Because a lot of sports, like, there's, there's obviously a large amount of you know variability in sports in terms of their demands and whatnot. You know, tennis is a very different sport to GA, let's say. Well, hurling some crossover there, but you know, you have a lot of difference in sports. So, a strength training program and the emphasis on strength training over time in, let's say, rugby or American football might be very diff- different to what it might be like in tennis or table tennis or chess if you want to call that a sport
1: oh, what's wrong with that calling it a sport
0: i'm not saying I'm, I'm just, are you bigoted against chess players oh, i actually more respect for that that intelligence you know that cognitive ability in chess
1: that's so weak man anyway continue
0: anyway needs analysis so you want to look at your sport, and you want to ask yourself, "All right, what are the what are the things that are really going to carry over to me having improved sports performance?" Okay, so you've got kind of general and specific aspects here. So if you're thinking about the general, the general things that you can gain from strength training, they're going to be, you know, probably an increase in muscle mass, an increase in strength, an increase in your muscles' ability to output force, and potentially some more. <coughs> You know mitochondrial adaptations, depending on the type of training that you're actually doing. So there's a there's a kind of a spectrum of adaptations that you can get from strength training. You know, and you've actually you've you've obviously got, you know, the
1: things like tendon adaptations and all that that go on too. So there's a lot of general adaptations, which is which is something that people don't actually generally talk a lot about yeah. in the fitness industry, which kind of does sporting people a disservice because they end up just thinking it's all just muscles and they forget yeah. about stuff like you know tendon stiffness, which is a key thing for say sprinting or jumping and stuff and it's like this is a trainable thing to to some extent yes you know so it's like hmm, this is probably something you should be training but your squats are not going to cut it with that yeah so it is one of those things like you said we need to perform a needs analysis and the needs analysis essentially needs to start not just on a general level because obviously that does give you some indications like if you look at a needs analysis of an athlete and i mean an athlete i'm just going to categorize athletes as someone who plays sports You know, not like, oh, elite athlete, because that's generally what people tend to think of when they say athlete. They're playing sports, two sports, and they're doing it like six days per week, and you say athlete, and they're like, oh, that's not me. It's like me, like, you literally are an athlete. (laughs) Um, But not just on a a general scale in terms of someone that's an athlete and someone that's just a gym goer. You have to look at it on a very specific, dialed-in scale. And I mean both to your sport and to your position, but also to your unique needs. So you need to perform a proper needs analysis. So you look at your general sport. You go, who are the best players in this sport? What are the, what is their training like? Not that that necessarily gives you a huge indication as to how you should train, but you know if they're the best players in the sport, success leaves clues. So let's see what they're doing. Right? It may be absolutely terrible, but at least it gives you some sort of framework. Like I was showing you before. You know, like you look at like the NFL and stuff, and they give like these. Workouts or these kind of uh, programs for people coming into co- college and stuff, not to necessarily to the people going to college, but to high school people that maybe don't have a huge background or a huge amount of resources, but they, they come from an underdeveloped or underprivileged uh, area. And they're like, I don't have the resources to hire a strength coach or whatever. So the NFL, whatever team, prints off this stuff and be like, This is the kind of stuff that we'll be expecting, blah, blah, blah. And you look at it and it's like, it's pretty good, general, solid information, you know? Uh, So, success leaders clues, look what the good people are doing, see what has caused success in those other people and maybe think about emulating it if it's something that you need. But then, on top of that, look at the position you play. So, look at Your sport as a whole, look at what all the overall injuries are in that sport, what the overall demands of that sport are, you know, what are the energetic demands. We've talked about the energy systems before, so go back and listen to that episode. I don't know which one it is offhand. (laughs) Uh, But the, the energetic demands of the sport, be like, okay, is this going to be more short, intense stuff and long periods of rest Uh, or is it like you know a a field-based sport where it's like yeah there are short intense intervals but there's also a lot of we'll call it aerobic work as well so look at that then look at like you know what kind of demands do you have in that sport is it something like rugby where you literally have to have an extremely strong say even down to your neck and stuff like Mm -hmm. if you're going to be be in in the ruck and stuff like what are the actual demands of that sport you need to tear it apart look at everything look at what the people that are on top of the game are doing and then start going this is what's going to inform my program design but then you need to look at your actual position what you do in relation to the other people so again rugby is a classic example like obviously if you're a prop or a winger like they're going to be different demands you know if you I don't know, are, are a defender or a striker or a goalkeeper in you know football soccer like it's obviously again different demands so you need to look at your position what are your unique demands what do you need to work on to be at the top of the game in terms of as a general Person in that position, and then you need to dial it in for you as a very specific individual. Like, where do you fall in relation to, we'll call them strength standards, we'll call them fitness standards of that position, you know? So the conversation, it kind of gets a bit hard to really dial in because there's so many things going on. And this is why people periodize training in sport. Like, you can't just be working on everything. ...at the same time. Although that's what people generally try to do. They're like, oh yeah, I'm trying to improve my fitness... ...but I'm also trying to gain some muscle and get stronger... ...while also improving my vertical jump. And it's like, okay, this can be done... ...but essentially you're trying to ride fucking... eight horses with fucking one ass like, you know? (laughs) Uh, So you have to really dial in. What are you actually trying to achieve? What are the specific goals? Where do you fall out of line with other people? Maybe you always notice... Your, your fitness is subpar then you're gonna have to fucking put all this like muscle building stuff down the line unless your game is very physical and you're like oh the way i succeed is by being overly physical in my approach then yeah okay maybe improving your fitness is going to help a little bit but if you can be stronger than everyone else and dominate them that way then yeah putting more stock in that is good but again generally if you notice your fitness is enough to part. That's that's going to be the base of every single one of these sports. Yeah, like, it, it, nothing else should be discussed. No fucking conditioning. No strength. Nothing like that should be discussed until you actually have a base of fitness. Now, again, I'm not saying you have to be at peak fitness all year, but if you play a field-based sport and your resting heart rate is in like the 70s, you know your best bet is probably getting that down into what's called like that athletic kind of thing, that 40 to 60 uh, resting heart rate, you know? Because if it's not there, like you're always going to be at a disadvantage. Even if your sport is sprinting, it's still, you're at a disadvantage, you know? So get your aerobic base, we'll call it, get that that sorted. There's multiple ways to go about it. You know, I don't want to get bogged down in a discussion of how exactly we're going to achieve this, but... It, it, it could be as simple as going for a few runs, keeping your heart rate at that what is it, the kind of seventy percent? Yeah, seventy percent range. Yeah, uh, r- roughly there, kind of keeping it w- one forty beats per minute. I think that's yeah. The kind that's the a ballpark
0: for most people. Like if you're if you're if you're someone that's exercising around there is the place. One thirty to one fifty is what I tell most clients. But anyway, somewhere around.
1: somewhere in there, keep it kind of aerobic and just slowly get get. We'll call it stronger there, fitter. You know. <laughs> Unless you have that, the rest of the discussion is is kind of meaningless. So that should always be your base. Now, again, if you're like, okay, no, I've actually just come off from a long in-season. I noticed a few things and my fitness is good right now. It's probably not the best it's ever been, but I know I have three months off and I'd like to work on a few other things in terms of strength, I don't know, explosiveness, whatever else it is. You have some time off and you're like, I know I'm going to put more time into my fitness come September or whenever it is that your season starts again then cool you can put it on the back burner if you notice it's not always your limiting factor but if you notice fitness is always your limiting factor then you're going to have to work on your fitness okay so that's the, the kind of whole caveat to this discussion but to the actual discussion itself strength training you said earlier on we should probably think about you know maybe lowering the overall volume maybe lowering the overall intensity. Let's just look at it. We'll start at an off-season for someone. And this is obviously going to be a little bit harder because it's a generalized approach. Like, obviously, each individual sport is going to have their unique demands. So we'll say we're performing this needs analysis. We've looked at the different positions, or we've looked at the sport as a whole. We've looked at the different positions. We've looked at where our position is, and we've looked at how far off we are on the in relation to the ideal, you know, the best and the best in that field, you know. So, we understand that. Fitness is up to par. We have an off-season. What should we be thinking of? Should we be thinking of emulating the positions we find in that sport? Should we be thinking of just getting stronger overall? Should we be thinking of injury prevention? Should we be thinking of building muscle? Like, where do we start? We, We know we have our fitness pretty good we have a few indications as to where we fall down with relation to these other people but like how do we start thinking about the whole program itself we're in an off season now yeah. so we we maybe are doing a, a one or two sessions per week no game but we're kind of keeping up uh training you know it, it's not too hard but the the coaches and stuff are like look we want to have one session per week you know what, what are we thinking
0: yeah so i suppose that the first place to start is, is to realize that a lot of the sports, at least I imagine the people that are listening, play, like, you know, GA soccer, are going to be lower body dominant. Mm. Like, like that's, that's pretty consistent. And that's one of the biggest flaws that I see in a lot of programs from people, you know, who are, who are training for sport. They'll just follow some random bodybuilding program that they saw online that has maybe, like, one day of leg training and, you know, a ridiculous amount of upper body work and, like, really specific upper body work as well, like, you know, rear delt flies, like, three different types of
1: tricep push down and all this sort of stuff, and it's like... where people will do those programs and, again, they play sport and they yeah. go, oh, no, my sport looks after my leg training, so I don't need to do leg training. And it's like, that's probably the training you need to do most. If yes. your sport is a lower body dominant thing, you're going to see the biggest bang for your buck in getting the lower body more conditioned or stronger and you yeah, yeah
0: no absolutely it's a really important point like because there's some logic to it like and sometimes if i do have ga players for online coaching like i'll start off conservative with mm. lower body volume because you're respecting the fact that or you actually do are doing a lot of lower body work already but the goal is not to stay there the goal is to build up tolerance over time because ideally over time you should be developing greater lower body tolerance to loading like as a very general statement because that is ultimately what's going to reduce the probability of you getting injured and I say reduce the probability because you know there's a there's a a kind of an idea in in strength training that uh, you can just prevent injury and you can just create these injury prevention programs and stuff but at some point in sport where it's chaotic you know it's not a controlled environment there are going to be forces that you're just not able to tolerate and you're probably going to get injured and there's there's no specific exercise with a TheraBand that was going to stop that, you know. And um, So you have to just think about reducing the probability of injury. And, you know, a lot of the time it is literally like obviously the skill components, but a lot of it actually is just get having really strong muscles in the lower body. Mm. Like, I mean, if you want to reduce the chances of you getting an Achilles tendinopathy, which can be a nightmare for an athlete because it's difficult to rehab and it can recur over time. You want to make sure you have really strong plantar flexors. So that your calves, those muscles at the back the back of your lower leg... Which muscles? <laughs> the muscles at the back of your lower leg. Patty doesn't have them, <coughs> that's why I was explaining The back that. of your shin, you mean? Oh, the back of your shin, yeah. Um, you, you want those to be brutally strong. Um, not so you can just have calf pics on Instagram, like everyone does. But so that all those muscles that are pulling on that tendon are, are producing a lot of force and so that you can get the tendinous adaptations as well because tendons do adapt to loading too so you want to think about developing strength and that goes the whole way up the chain you know patellar tendinopathies are another another nightmare you know hamstring hamstring strains hamstring tendinopathies gluteal tendinopathies all these different things that are are a problem for athletes i like to think of them as a load intolerance like i think that's the best way you can think of a lot of those kind of quote-unquote overuse injuries is that they're basically load intolerance because at that moment in time or over the course of that injury onset there was load that was gradually going up over your tolerance okay yeah and that can be both acute and, yeah, chronic. It can be acute and chronic because you might have had one instance where i don't know you had a you, you jumped up for the ball you fell down on your knee and your knee went into so much flexion that you just had that acute overload of the patellar tendon and then you got that patellar tendinopathy acute onset or it could be the fact that over a course of a certain period of time, when you were changing direction, changing direction, changing direction, or because of your landing mechanics or whatever, you overloaded that 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 patellar tendon, and again you picked up that patellar tendonopathy. So the best thing you can do in that case to prevent that um, or reduce the probability of it and and to rehab it is to increase your tolerance to loading over time, and that a lot of the time that is the same way in which a lot of people are trying to build muscle and or strength okay so there's some nuances but they are more or less the same thing and I think a lot of people when it comes to sports um, you know not, not in the higher level elite, elite sports but you know a lot of kind of club level GA players and stuff they'll often think that there's going to be some special exercises that you do with a theraband or you know some theraband hamstring curls or like active movement of the ankle or something that's going to that's going to be the, the key for these injuries and it's like no 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 you need to build up load tolerance over time so that's where you need to start. I don't even know what the initial question you asked me was, but...
1: Where do we need to start? Basically? Where do we
0: need to start? That's where we need to start. Okay. So but that, do-
1: that basically is covered by the needs analysis. You, yes. you kind of go like, oh, what, am, what are we actually trying to deal with? But we'll kind of... Because again, it, it's a hard discussion to have without actually having these particular sports. So what I think we should do is just talk about the strength side of things in terms of... A lot of people are going to be doing strength training, again, as the name implies, to get stronger. You know, Obviously, they're doing it as well to build some muscle. And again, we'll look into it in terms of, okay, they're trying to build some muscle both to look good, but also because I know, they need to be a little bit bigger, more dominant on the pitch, on the mm-hmm. field, whatever. And it, it obviously helps with that. And again, the injury prevention side of things, a little bit more muscle, doesn't go on miss there. But how should we think about our training if strength is the goal? So we have our cardiovascular work looked after. Or at least we have that thought a bit. So maybe you're doing some more endurance style training. You're doing 60 to 90 minutes at that 140 beat per minute kind of range. You're doing that like twice per week. We're in the off season now. So you're just keeping things ticking over. Maybe you're doing a little bit of skill work with that as well. You know, you, you, you play gap. You're not just going out for a run. You're going out for a run, kicking the ball around uh, and that kind of stuff. So maybe it's a bit more entertaining for you that way, you know, um. So you're doing that, but you're like, okay, so what do I actually do in the gym? How many days per week off-season now we're thinking? Because in my mind, even in the off-season, even though we're trying to maximize that time, we're looking at this longer term, right? So in my mind we're still looking at that kind of two to four days per week yeah. in the gym. Like I don't see if you're an athlete and your goal is to be good at a particular sport. Like, I don't know what you're doing in the gym five days, six days, seven days per week, unless it's like, Oh, I'm doing a bit of cardio or prehab rehab stuff in the gym. And it's just pissing rain out. And I would just rather not get this rain <laughs> on, you know, it's like, okay, cool. Like, whatever. That's, that's not me. I'm not here to judge that. But if you're just going like, Oh, I'm doing like resistance training, this five day split that I saw online, in men's health or whatever, you probably shouldn't have bed, right? But what should we be thinking about, right? So we're looking at our cardiovascular fitness. We obviously know that's important for the vast majority of sports. Mm-hmm. So we're taking that out of the argument. We're, we're, we're working on that. We're either doing our sprint training, we're either doing our endurance training, whatever it is that's going to take care of that, right? Resistance training then. Now. So are we just basically doing a powerlifting style program because that's what people say when they think about strength and that's what if you read a lot of research these days it'll basically be like oh, powerlifting they won't even miss a beat in terms of there's no no shift in mindset or whatever in terms of they'll just go straight from talking about strength training into talking about powerlifting training and have no delineation that strength isn't specific to just three movements you know the, but the way the research kind of makes it look is that there's only three movements for strength it's the squat bench deadlift and that, that's that's it you know and now this is not to say that you, you, you can't do those movements as a, someone engaged in sport but that that's what strength training looks like in the in the literature yeah. you know maybe it doesn't all the time because they're like oh we use the leg press rather than the squat or something um, but then people online will be like well leg press is unfunctional for so it's like oh this is this just gets so convoluted so you have to kind of Look at things a bit more holistically and a bit more intuitively. Um, but do, does does it basically become you just do some powerlifting style training to get better at your sport? Like if you're saying I want to get bigger, I want to get stronger, you look at powerlifters and you go, they're big, they're strong, so I'm gonna do that kind of training. Is is that a kind of logical thought process?
0: Yeah, like I think I think a lot of people do fall, fall into that trap of just thinking that is the way it is because it's like it's a, it's a kind of a you conclude from like alright I need to get stronger for my sport therefore I'm going to do what people do when they try and get really strong and that is powerlifting training that's like you know it's not necessarily the worst approach like, I'd rather see you follow a powerlifting program than do no strength training at all but what you've realized is that people who train for powerlifting are training for very very specific purposes as in they're trying to lift the most amount of weight for one rep with specific rules on three exercises and that's it okay so that that, that's that's the context in which those exercises are being applied and you need to realize that your context is very different in that you know a back squat it may be a very good exercise for you you know it is going to cover a lot of the bases that you want in order to to develop the lower body strength you know for your sport but i mean if you're really struggling to get t- your hips down below your knees at the bottom and that's the demand-of-power thing, you need to recognize that, okay, this, this actually doesn't apply to me and there are very few instances in which I need to be in like 130 degrees of hip flexion while producing the most amount of force when I'm playing GA. You know, it's it's just not that specific. And at the end of the day, strength training and the, the adaptations to it are going to be specific. So it's, that's the said principle. It's the, the basic thing you learn, personal training 101, the specific adaptation to the imposed demand okay so you have to keep that in your head at all times you know and the similar similar thing applies across across those three exercises in that like the bench press i mean it's not really specific to many sports at all as in like it's a it's a it's a good way of of improving your upper body strength but i mean if it's causing you problems for whatever reason or you prefer other exercises to train similar muscles you don't necessarily need to bench press at all.
1: Or if you're just trying to fit yourself into that team paradigm, you yeah. know, and going like I'm going to put X amount of volume towards this pressing strength when your sport is predominantly pulling. Like you look at something yeah. like grappling, like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or something, like I would much rather see you spend that time getting a better chin up or getting a better like bent over row or some sort of row movement than spending so much time ooh, on the bench press, so much volume on the bench press. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, your sport demands something totally different, and that's not to say that like improving your bench press won't improve your strength overall in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu or whatever. But you have to again look at the needs of your sport. If you're like, there's no reason to fit yourself into that round hole if you're a square peg. You know, yeah. if you're like, oh my, my, my demands are X, and the demands of powerlifting are Y, so I'm just <clears> gonna do Y, and it's like this this isn't helping you actually achieve your goal of getting stronger because again, like you said, like strength is specific. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay, cool. You're bench pressed. You've got whatever your bench pressing a hundred kilos now. Great. You, you play an overhead sport. Like you've just gotten slightly more tighter now in your overhead position mm-hmm. because you've done, you've just completely neglected it. And you've just done a load of like, we'll call it internal rotator work in terms of working the chest and stuff. Uh, and it's like you you haven't balanced this out with a more nuanced approach, which is fine for powerlifters because it doesn't fucking matter for yeah, them, like doesn't, you know. It doesn't matter for uh, them. But you as an overhead athlete, like I don't know, you play ga or something, which is like a lot of that is overhead, like you're catching the ball, throwing the ball, whatever the fuck, you know, it, a lot of it is overhead. It's like th- this doesn't actually help you a huge amount. Like yeah, okay, cool, your chest looks great now, but you didn't improve your performance, maybe marginally. Like you're kind of able to palm off a few guys, but it didn't really help a lot yeah. you know yeah I do think you have to
0: I think you have to think about these things a bit more when it does come to sport as well because like when it comes to let's say me or you or anyone else in the general population that's just training like you can kind of have like you can have flaws in your program and have things in there that aren't serving you that well and it's kind of grand like it's no big deal because yeah. It's all you're doing. Yeah, praise. if you have an extra twenty minutes and you're just yeah, like, it's like nah.
1: this is cool, like I'm doing nothing else. Like I'm not tra- I'm training four days per week. Yeah. Like a little bit of extra volume, a little bit of DOMS in whatever muscle. Who cares? Extra who cares? If you're playing sports like three it's days per important. week and fucking have a game on Sunday, it's like you can't be afforded to just like have this huge recovery debt now, you know? Yeah, that's
0: the thing. Like when you're playing sport like everything in your programme
1: should have some purpose in that you
0: could be spending that time and that energy elsewhere. You know, and I think a lot of people, a lot of people fall down on that, and that they forget about the skills of their actual sport because they spend so much time in the gym. You see that with a lot, a lot of young guys playing GA. You know, they they might be training five days a week in the gym, and they're actually not doing any work with the ball, or they're not practicing sprinting or anything, because all they're asking is, what exercises in the gym can I improve can improve my sprint speed? And it's like, have you practiced sprinting? And they're like, no. Have
1: you, have you actually worked on your sprint technique? Like the amount of times, like we even yeah. said this in like. In the forum and everything, is like, have you actually practiced your sprint speed? Have you actually worked on your technique of sprinting? And people were like, no. And it's like, imagine I just did that about squats, being like and like people actually do it about squats and stuff like powerlifting as, as well. It's like, oh yeah, I, I want to improve my squat. What extra exercises can I do to improve my squat? It's like, maybe you work on your squat technique first. Like sure. that that should be your first protocol. That should be completely fucking dialed in, like a hundred percent before you start going, Oh, what are these special exercises I can do? Same with sprinting. If you're like Oh, what special exercises can I do to improve my sprint? And I look at you sprinting, and it looks like you literally are a Neanderthal dragging your knuckles <laughs> along. It's like, like that—that's going to offer you the the greatest return on investment. Like, actually, find a sprint coach, or even watch some videos. Like, there's some really good videos online and that yeah. kind of shit. And, or even just look at yourself, record yourself sprinting, and like look at someone else that's a good sprinter, and be like, oh, they're two different things. Let me see how I can actually change my sprint mechanics to actually be a good sprinter, you know, that's probably gonna do more for your sprinting. So again, that is a needs analysis. You need to actually really dial in what you're looking to achieve. but Gary, do we just train like power
0: <laughs> No, we don't just train like power Okay, what we think about what we think about is we're like, all right, what well, muscles are really gonna give us the biggest return on investment. I mean like, you know, if you're an athlete, you want yourself a big strong ass. Like you want well developed, strong glutes that are going to be able to propel you into oblivion as soon as you take off all right so you want you want strong glutes you want strong strong hamstrings you want strong quads you want strong calves all of those things are going to be damn beneficial so then what you think about is right what exercises can train them and it's like well there's actually a lot all right so you got a lot of options you know if you want to think about training the hip extensors so let's let's group the the hamstrings the glutes the adductors there together as the hip extensors having some deadlift variation might be a good idea you know it's it's a fairly decent recommendation to do some sort of deadlift variation it doesn't mean that it has to be a deadlift from the f- from the floor as a power lifter would you know it might be a romanian deadlift variation an rdl or a, a stiff leg variation you know something where you actually have that control change of direction which you don't really have in powerlifting, because that's actually what you want if you want to build strength in that end range of your hamstring that's going to be protective against injury so that's pretty beneficial there i mean if you're doing deadlifts from the floor and dropping the bar and you're not taking the advantage of that eccentric and that change of direction you're missing out on valuable gains there that could be helpful when it comes to injury and performance so that's useful you know some deadlift vary, some hip hinge vary and, issue, and again
1: yeah look at that as well like you know it, when you're choosing it, it's like should I choose a sumo deadlift sumo deadlift offers me this better range of motion say for you as an individual you're like my sumo is stronger mm-hmm. right but you're like mm, is this actually applying to my sport and you look at your sport demands and you look at what you're trying to achieve with that exercise, and you might go, No, that's actually not the best deadlift variation for me. So again, you have to kinda of be a bit more objective with this because yes. you might go like, Oh sumo, like I okay, can literally I'm fucking sumo in like two hundred and seventy kilos here and my conventional is only whatever, one eighty. And it's like, Yeah, but your conventional may actually offer you a bit more in terms of return on investment yeah. for your actual sport. So you, you do have to take the ego out of it just a little bit. You know? Yeah, yeah, no, and it, it is important because I think, you know, a lot of the time like
0: if you were to ask me or Patty like oh, should I do sumo or conventional? Like most of the time I'm going to be like Ugh, like whatever is more comfortable for you. Like it doesn't make a massive difference. But if you're an athlete, then I'm going to be like I'd probably favor something with a conventional stance just defense, because yeah. that is where you are producing force from in your games when you're when you're running, when you're jumping. It's just that little bit more specific. Does that mean a sumo is useless? No, not at all. But I mean, if you can get that extra 1% benefit from doing an exercise, then why not? It it is relevant when you play sport. So I think, you know, that, that hip hinge, something that is a little bit more specific there might be a good idea. You know, some sort of squat variation is probably a good idea. And when I say squat variation, like, I don't mind if you want to do a leg press. Like, I don't think that is a big deal or a problem at all. Like, sure, people can say that it's, quote unquote, less functional because you're not standing but it's one component of a program that is strengthening your muscles that is going to carry over nonetheless yeah and especially so, if you're
1: thinking again like maybe you're in season you're like squats bar on my back yeah. just beats me up the fuck you know it's like i can sit down on a leg press and have this lowered well ideally if you're doing it correctly this lower uh, risk of injury you're just like okay cool i'm just gonna do the leg press like it's a no it's a no-brainer in my eyes you know But again, it has to be like, why am I doing this? It has to be thought out. It's like, you can't just go like, oh yeah, leg presses for all box squats or whatever. It's like, there has to be an actual thought process behind the squat variation that you pick.
0: Yeah, so like you can do a squat variation. And I mean, if the leg press is most comfortable for you and it allows you to train most effectively, that's absolutely fine. It's not a big deal. And I put that in there first because I think a lot of people do feel like they have to squat and they have no choice. But, you know, if, you've, if you're doing RDLs already, let's say, so you're doing some deadlift variation and you're trying to really prioritize those, and as a result, your kind of spinal extensors are fatigued going into a squat and you want to do a leg press instead, that's totally okay. But, you know, a squat variation is a good idea. Um, and that's obviously, you know, training your hip extensors again to some degree and training your quads a little bit more too and your back muscles, okay? So you're kind of hitting the whole body there and, you know, you could obviously make the argument that if you are in standing... And you are doing a barbell squat, maybe there is a slightly better carryover between that and a leg press, but I don't think it's a massive deal in the context of the overall program. So from there, you probably I, like I, I do like the idea of doing a barbell hip thrust. Like I think it's a good idea just because it does add in a more kind of horizontal force vector that you have to apply. So when you're actually applying, you're applying all that force in in the end range of your hip extension, essentially which you don't normally do in a squat or a leg press variation where the biggest challenge is at the bottom. So I think there is probably some merit to throwing in a barbell hip thrust, even if it's just in your off-season when you're trying to build up a little bit more glute hypertrophy, and then you can carry that over into your other exercises too. So I think that's something worth considering. And again,
1: again, it's one of those things that, again, you'd look at your overall demands of your sport, like something like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. You know, it's probably a good good idea to have a a strong bridging uh, ability. You know, so something like a glute bridge becomes more important then, you know, whereas something like, you know, they used to think that kind of like, oh, that's, as you are saying, those force vectors, like, it's in the same plane that you'd be producing force as you're sprinting, so they were like, oh, well, this glute bridge or this hip thrust is going to be yeah. better for sprinting, and it doesn't really bear out, Yeah. but that's not to say that it's completely useless.
0: Yeah, yeah, like, that's the, that's the thing, you know, like, sprinting isn't purely a horizontal activity, like, just because you're mm. moving horizontally, like, you are applying... Force vertically, otherwise you would fall. You yeah. know, or you'd be dragging your feet off. The yeah, you just, you're just dragging yourself along the floor. So you know, it's not, it's not that simple either. Um, and then the other thing I think that is a good pillar to have in a program, and, and when we say program, mm. these don't all have to be on the same day. And mm. We'll talk about that after. But some sort of single leg variation, I think there you can make a good argument for because the majority of the time you are, you know, applying force on a single leg. So it it is unilateral force production. Um, so some sort of split squat variation might be a good idea. It could be a single leg press it could even be that you know when you're doing your more quad specific work that you do single leg leg extensions you know you, you have you have a lot of options there but you just want to make sure that you're covering your bases of all the lower body muscles i think having a hip hinge variation a squat variation and some unilateral work should kind of be your pillars and then you add in those kind of accessories after that you know whether it's your your more glute specific work with the barbell hip extension if you have access to a seated hip abduction that'd be brilliant a seated hip adduction as well would be just as good and you can you know you can use your leg accessory machines as you need to you know i think a lot of athletes shy away from using machines because they think that that idea of them not being functional whereas i mean if you're if you're you know you've had a an ongoing patellar tendonopathy over time and you know your quads just aren't that strong and you really want to isolate that right quad like there's absolutely nothing wrong with doing a leg extension like it is the most specific way you can target that possibly and it's the same when it comes to leg curls you know you can use a leg curl to target that end range of your hamstring strength and you know they're damn useful to actually have them there so. which is
1: quite funny because people always go like oh can I have this banded fucking theraband exercise and I yeah. do these like <laughs> leg curls and leg extensions and then I'm like alright just jump on the leg just extension jump on machine, the machine there and like oh no I couldn't jump on the machine Okay, so you chose the least possible valuable implement to do this exercise with in terms of the TheraBand, but you won't jump on a machine. Okay, cool. Yeah. Right, so the rest of it. Obviously, that's mainly just lower body. What's the crack of the upper body then? How are we, how are, we how are we? deciding what to do then? Yeah, like when it
0: comes to the upper body, like I would definitely be less sort of, not, not, le- le- not less specific, but yes, less specific in that, you probably do want to have your bases covered with the lower body. Like, that's pretty important. But when it comes to the upper body, you can definitely have a bit more freedom in that. But again, it depends on the sport. Like, if you want to play... I should
1: actually say before we go into the upper body that you're not saying that we have to actually do all of those things. Not even in a workout. No, no, not no. Not even in a workout. Not even in the entire program. No, they're just options. They're just, like, thinking about things. You know, yeah. it's not like, oh, Gary said hinge he said squat he said adductors he said hamstring curls i'm doing a hip do well like, like, exercise yeah it's like you don't have to do those things but it's like if you are if you do have weak adductors or even that your sport has huge demand for your yeah. adductors then obviously giving adductor work is probably a fucking good idea Yep. anyway upper body yeah
0: so when it comes to the upper body like obviously it does it does definitely depend on your sport but i mean if you're thinking about if you think about rugby, like you want, like generally, you want a lot of upper body mass. Like you just need a lot of mass anyway, a lot of the time because you need to be able to put your mass against someone else's mass and, you know, that, that's kind of as simple as it is, you know, but you, you, want, you want to develop your body strength. So if we think of different sports examples, you know, if you are a hurler, you know, you don't necessarily need to have the most ridiculous amount of upper body mass that you look like a bodybuilder to perform well at your sport you may need that for rugby so there is there is variation there but i would just look at it in terms of the the broad the broad qualities of the upper body so like a horizontal press an overhead press a, a, an overhead pull i should have said vertical yeah a vertical press a vertical pull down and then a horizontal pull yeah i didn't say that so the, they're, they're your kind of four bases in terms of at least you have strength in the majority of the muscles of the upper body then. So if you're thinking of some sort of horizontal press variation, you're talking about a bench press, a dumbbell press, a push-up. You do vertical presses, you're talking about an overhead barbell press, it could be an overhead dumbbell press, an overhead machine press, it could be a a handstand push-up. If That's what you're into, it's totally okay. And then you've got your vertical pull-down, so any sort of pull-down variation, chin-ups, ring chin-ups, all that sort of stuff, and then you've got your horizontal rows, so different types of rowing machines, you know, barbell rows, dumbbell rows, etc. And I mean if you're doing those four exercises or some of those four exercises, you're doing one in each of those planes, then you've got pretty much all of your upper body musculature covered. So if we're talking about you want to do strength training and you want it to maybe add to your sports performance, they're probably good things to consider just because they're going to build probably the most amount of muscle in the upper body. And if you do need those muscles in your sport. Then they're probably gonna be covered through those exercises. Yeah,
1: and then you can obviously get more dialed in with things. Yes. Like if you, you have this huge like external rotator demand yes. from your sport, like then obviously draining that is probably a fucking good idea. For sure. But we should also mention that when you're looking at your essentially needs analysis, don't just look at the, the musculature that is used during your sport. You also need to look at the musculature that is antagonistic to yes. those to that musculature if that makes sense uh, because like, like like you said you might have this this sport that's hugely I don't know press dominant you know you're constantly like pun- punching boxing yes. that's one of them right so you're just doing a load of boxing right it's like this is a lot of internal rotation well it's, it's actually a bit of a weird one because you also get your little lat going on because obviously yeah. like the lats function in there you're pulling the arm back and obviously you're, you're what's that called protracting 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 even uh your your shoulder and so you get a lot of different things going on but maybe you know doing a little bit of work on your more pulling muscles is going to benefit you even though they aren't quote-unquote directly involved in that sport so you do need to look at it a bit more holistically overall and kind of go like yeah okay cool these pressing muscles or these muscles are involved in the sport what are the other muscles that are involved and I should probably train those maybe not with as much volume but maybe with more volume in some cases if your sport is very overly dominant in those specific muscles and you're kind of like I need to offset this yes to to a large extent you know
0: and you just reminded me of something oh I'm ashamed that I didn't mention it Um, we're talking about the lower body as well let's not forget the good old hip flexors okay I actually think they're the one muscle group muscle group um, (laughs) that that everyone play sport forgets about and I just forgot about them okay you want to strengthen your hip flexors and make them strong as fuck okay it's not good enough to roll around on the floor on your hip flexors with a ball or with your elbow or with a physio digging their elbow in there like it's just not good enough that is not is what that's not what's giving you the adaptations that you actually need to be able to you know kick the ball to be able to you know control your your hind leg do, we, do people say that in relation to humans? Your hind leg. Your hind leg. Your, your pushing leg. Your push-off leg when you're sprinting. You know, the, the carrying the leg through in the swing phase when you're sprinting. The hip flexors play an incredibly important role in sport. And, you know, that's that's clearly clearly reflected when people injure them. You know, people injure their hip flexors all the time. They're like, oh, I've got this kind of chronic tightness. I've got this pain. I strained it once. It's never gotten back to how it was. And it's like... Did you strengthen them? Oh, God, no. Jesus, no. No, oh, I just stretched they're, they're too strong. Like, they're overworked. I can't strengthen them anymore. Strengthen your hip flexors. Okay, whether it's a cable variation, a dumbbell variation, a kettlebell variation, even a, a straight leg raise, a bent leg raise, you'd be surprised how weak they are that you might not even be able to train them properly without load. So, strengthen your hip flexors for sure. Um, and then back to what we were saying about the upper body. Yeah, as you said, you know, there are specific demands in different sports. You know, if you are a goalkeeper, Obviously there is, you know, instances in which you're going to be diving to save a ball with an outstretched hand. You might you might land on that hand sometimes. You might want to make sure that the, the muscles around the shoulder are really strong and they're really able to tolerate those forces. So there's a lot of things to think about, and obviously it does come down to your individual sport. Like maybe we've got some American listeners, hopefully, that are playing baseball. You know, obviously that is a whole like other ball game, literally in terms of <laughs> in terms of the short the shoulder muscle demands in baseball is just insane if you are a pitcher especially because you basically go back into an unseen level of external rotation like and then just yeah and then fully fl- <laughs> flick back and yeah it's 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 nasty enough forces so you want to be strong there. But any other specific sports sporting
1: instances. You're gonna see as well, like again like you're with certain sports you might see some of this stuff talked about in the bodybuilding community because like that external rotator stuff or internal rotator stuff or all that kind of shit like people will talk about that at least in the the bodybuilding strength sphere because they're like oh I work on my rotators and my pecs are now not in pain so I can bench more and I can bench better so people will at least talk about it right but there's loads of little muscles that are involved in these sports or different sports that you may not necessarily think about like no one talks about neck training and it's probably the most vital po- point of like combat sports. Yeah. Like even jaw training, like you can <laughs> fucking tra- train those muscles, you know. Uh, so you should probably be training those muscles if you are involved in that. Same with rugby as well. Like the huge demands of through through your spine, through, huge forces through your spine. It, and if you don't have a strong neck, like if you if you joined rugby or you started playing rugby in your late teens or whatever, and pe- you're playing against people that have developed coming up through rugby. And they've developed that musculature in their necks and stuff. Like you're already at a distinct disadvantage because you're going into a ruck or whatever, and they're literally like able to move you around because it's like an extra limb. You know, once you have a strong neck, strong head, whatever, uh, it, it is literally like an extra limb. So you, you're at a disadvantage. So you, you obviously have to train that, and obviously it increases or sorry decreases injury risk. Again, you can't mitigate it entirely, yeah, yeah. but if you have a strong neck and you're playing a combat sport or you're playing a sport where you absorb a lot of forces like tackles and stuff like that again like rugby and stuff then having a strong neck is going to help with the stability of your neck it's pretty intuitive like yep. you know Damn, so dude. there may be small muscles that you're not going to see exercises for in the fit down or whatever but training those muscles is probably going to be a good idea for your sports you know and again i don't know fuck it could be like Dumb flexor strength or whatever I don't know. You play Pokemon Go? I don't fucking know. Uh, but you, you want to be like, okay, cool. What are the demands of my sport? Like, what are the actual muscles being used? Again, what are the muscles that are not being used that maybe are causing or contributing to injury? What? Like, you just have to perform that needs yeah, and analysis.
0: Like wrist strength, the radioulnar joint strength, all these things in hurling. Like, if you're holding a, if you're holding something at the end and it's a, it's a, it's a long lever. Like, there's obviously a lot of force on your, on your, your medial. Your medial muscles there at the elbow joint you know you find some people will get golfer's elbow or pitcher's elbow or the two things that it, that it's kind of called and that's the the medial epicondylalgia and that's essentially when your wrist flexors can't tolerate the load that's being put on them you see the same thing on the other side of the elbow where you've got tennis elbow lateral epicondylalgia so you've got these little these muscles in the wrists and and the forearm that are also responsible for carrying all these forces in different sports and you do need to be aware of them so that you can actually add in some specific strength work because a lot of the time you know when people go into sports they just rely on obviously the advice of you know other people who play the sport and they rely on you know what sports players have always done even though they might not have even thought of the fact that oh that the advice that strength coach gave me one time or the advice that physio gave me one time that was actually really valuable the time i had that elbow pain so all this stuff does come into play and you do need to kind of look at the bigger picture and the smaller picture but in terms of the bigger picture i think that's what we need to get back to just because i think it's important um overall your goal if you play sports especially if you're younger and you're kind of going through the development stage you want to build up greater tolerance and greater physiological reserve over time so you need to make sure that your body and your muscles can essentially just do more and that includes your aerobic fitness and it includes your muscles ability to produce force and that is influenced by the amount of muscle that you have. So hypertrophy does have a place. And that's why, you know, some of this fit fam information that people take on board, it's not necessarily harmful. You just need to recognize that just because it is valuable in some way it doesn't mean you should copy exactly what they're doing. So, where do you think someone should start with all of this in terms of days of the week? What what would you be thinking?
1: Again, yeah, I just like that like 2 to 4 days week like if you're in season you can get a lot done with two days per week like if you even just split it, like and had like a push day and a pull day you know so you had like your your squats and your presses on one day and you had your deadlifts and your whatever horizontal or vertical pulls or whatever on on the next day cool you could also split it in a lower upper body you know there's a lot of ways you could put this put this together and this is why again like you'll see people kind of focus on like compound movements for sports and again, that'll kind of bleed over then into the fitness industry and people will be like, oh, I grew up playing rugby and I'm massive and all we did was compound lifts. So you should only ever do your compound lifts. Yeah. And it's like like you're, you're missing the entire like argument. Like, yes, okay, if you're playing sports and you have this limited amount of training time or recovery capacity, wherever you want to look at it, then focusing on your, your compound movements is probably a good idea. Yeah. Like spending 20 minutes doing fucking, I don't know, bicep curls, probably a waste of your time. like unless again it's a part of your sport it's a huge demand of your sport I don't know maybe you do arm wrestling I don't (laughs) know you know Uh, so you have to look at it like what, what are we actually trying to achieve with the training two to four days per week again four days if you're in the off season again you're obviously going to be looking after your cardiovascular stuff we're not saying drop that yeah two days maybe three days once you're in season again depending on the demands the overall demands of your sport like i actually do like three days per week because it gives a lot of versatility like you can have we'll call it like two lower one upper or you can have two upper one lower or you can have a kind of a little bit of a mix but it gives you a lot of versatility in that and you can kind of spread the volume out a little bit more and on that topic of volume like the volume is going to be lower than if you were just purely training yeah you know resistance training and that's it you know if you're if you're doing a lot of sport and you're trying to do like the top end of the range of volume in terms of sets in terms of you know reps it's like uh, i'd probably just stick to the smallest amount that's going to get you to progress you know i'd rather see you spend more of your energy or your recovery capacity on actually getting better at your sport you know so the training sessions probably will prioritize them like the actual sport training sessions rather than the gym training sessions you know so two to four days per week in the gym focus on your your kind of compound movements again performing a needs analysis if you do need to gain some size then yeah maybe working more into kind of hypertrophy ranges if you want to say that like we covered in the last you know Uh, But if you're not, you're kind of like I'm happy enough with my my size. Then maybe staying towards the end of those hypertrophy ranges, and maybe even getting into those kind of we'll call them more neurological ranges, yeah. like the three to five, we'll say. Yeah. yeah. I don't see there's any real need for you know a gal player to be doing one rep maxes or even even triples. But like if you're kind of like, yeah, I just want to get a little bit stronger, you're doing like three sets of three on your chin ups or something. Like I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Like you're gonna get a lot, enough tension on the body. You're going to get a lot of neurological demand a lot of neurological efficiency in those movements and you're going to progress get stronger overall cool i have no issue with that but again you have to look at the whole goal of the program which kind of leads me to the next point which is obviously there is a limit to everything right you have to do the, the, the complete needs analysis if you are not fit getting fit will obviously help. Mm -hmm. But doing more fitness work Mm. beyond that point, like trying to get your your heart rate down to 60 from 80 doesn't actually require a huge amount of cardiovascular work, right? Trying to get your heart rate down from 60 to 50 probably requires a little bit more Mm. cardiovascular work. Trying to get it then down to like (laughs) 40 probably requires a huge amount of cardiovascular work for not a huge return. yeah, you know, It's, it's not going to necessarily help you all that much. So, obviously, there's a point of diminishing returns. And that's obviously the same with strength, although people rarely talk about it because they kind of look at powerlifters and their goal is to just get as strong as humanly possible yeah. for them. And that's purely their goal, right? But if you're playing a sport, it's like your your goal isn't to get as strong as humanly possible. Your goal is essentially to be as strong as you need to be and then not have to spend any more time getting stronger at that like your goal is to be as strong as you possibly can be without offsetting or without having to do an excessive amount of work to get stronger like obviously if you can get get stronger in that stronger than all the rest of your opponents (laughs) happy days you know if you can be stronger and fitter than everyone else you're going to see a huge improvement this is kind of where you see that that kind of split in the, the sports science when they used to always focus on cardiovascular stuff Mm. and then they started moving towards resistance training and it was like oh fuck this is revolutionary because you got like a team that just do some basic strength training and they literally get i don't know 20 kilos added to their squat and all of a sudden they're like mutants on the field because they're just so much stronger than everyone else now everyone's doing it so it's obviously a higher barrier of entry but there's obviously this point of diminishing returns like i don't see a point if you're trying to go just chase some arbitrary numbers and go i want a double body weight squat if your goal is to be good at GA. like it's not necessarily going to improve your vertical jump it's not necessarily going to improve your speed so you're just chasing these numbers for no real reason so you have to again look at what you're actually trying to achieve you know like maybe in rugby there's a little bit again those numbers are skewed higher because you want to be bigger and you want to be stronger and like if the people you're attacking in way whatever i don't know the average but like somewhere in the range of 100 to 140 kilos yeah. like you probably want to be fucking strong like you know uh you want to have that like be like 20 percent of your max squat like you don't even want to think about it and um, so obviously again depending on your sport the the barrier of entry or the barrier for that point of diminishing returns is lower or higher you know mm-hmm. but ov- obviously that you come to a point so do you see much point training past that or just spending a lot of time kind of going oh i arbitrarily need to get a triple body weight squat because i do think having some kind of strength standards is good like having that kind of like arbitrary like if you're just a gym goer double body weight squat 2.5 times body weight deadlift 1.5 times body weight bench press, and then one times body weight Overhead press, like that's like a fairly good standard, we'll call it intermediate, maybe even touching on advanced, depending on how much you weigh. Uh, lifter if all you do is go to the gym, but if your goal is to be a good sportsman, yeah, it's probably not necessarily like there's going to be a point of diminishing returns. Mm. Like, I see stuff like I don't know, we saw like uh, what's his name, that Northern Irish uh, golfer for yeah. Like he has like a, a 190 high bar squat like. <laughs> like he's it's definitely stronger than you like. Definitely. Um and I'm like, like that's pretty fucking impressive, but it's like I don't know if that actually is a huge return on investment like yeah, I actually don't even think it was that hard for him. Like I saw the squat, it wasn't it didn't look that difficult, so I was like definitely has more in the tank. So maybe like again, like if you're just perfectly built for it, you might be able to get higher numbers, but if you're spending all this time trying to go like if he was just to try chase, like, oh, I have to get like I think he weighs like eighty-five kilos or something like that. So I'd probably the same as you. Uh, <laughs> um but <clears throat> if he was to try to go to just chase arbitrarily, like trace like I don't know, two twenty in the squat, probably not gonna help us golf that much. Yeah. You know? So it's like you have to again look at things like what what are you actually trying to achieve with this? But do, do you agree with that, like that there is a point of diminishing returns which is strength training? And if so, what should we do about that in terms of our overall training approach? Do we just stop training that muscle? What?
0: For sure, like I think you should look at it as a, at it as a sort of evolutionary process. In that, like you're obviously not just playing sport this season; you're playing sport for let's say the next ten seasons, and and in each of those off seasons, you're probably going to have a different thing that you decide to focus on. And that's the importance of doing this needs analysis: is that you reflect in your season, you reflect in your performance, you reflect in any injuries you picked up, and then that like, you can use that to guide your programming. So, for example. Like like you're alluding to, if from years one to three you go from, you know, benching seventy kilos to benching like one forty, and you go from squatting a hundred to squatting two hundred and stuff, if you've gotten there by year three and you play GA, it's like, Alright, you've probably and let's say you've 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 been really struggling to push those numbers up now. So you're kind of topping out your strength potential at the amount of training that you're doing, you come to that kind of that point where you're like, Alright, so do I actually keep on training as an intermediate to advanced lifter would, would do to get, to get higher or do I keep it to my kind of novice training approach and just realize that I don't actually need to go further. And to be honest, I would probably go with the latter in that, yeah, you can still try to advance your training to some degree, but your goal shouldn't necessarily be to do everything you can to keep getting stronger because it's not actually giving you the return on investment that you are looking for, for your specific sport. So, it could be a case of just changing, you know, the, the actual emphasis that you have. Like, I mean, if you're at a point where you're like, I'm as strong as I need to be for my sport. I feel like all of my muscles are as strong as they need to be. I'm not picking up any injuries because I'm so flipping load tolerant. Like, <laughs> then then it's like, all right, maintain that, you know, work on others, other qualities of your fitness. Like get you like do,
1: more, get more skillful, like, like. Yeah,
0: exactly. Like I think skill is the one that a lot of people do forget about. You know, they. It's like all right. Instead of spending those two hours in the gym, cut it down to one hour and go out and do ball work for an hour. Boom. Like you're. you're like
1: obviously, the skill work is potentiated by your strength, like yeah. and, and fitness. Like you can't do skill work if you're just so unfit that you know. Just I don't know hitting the heavy bag if you're boxing or whatever, do, doing whatever, just makes you out of breath. Like, and you just can't do, can't do any skill work. You can't, like, if you're not fit enough for it, you can't do any skill work. right? But oh, at the same token, if you're not strong enough and like you go out and you kick a ball around and you just tear your hamstring just yeah. kicking the ball because you're so weak, you obviously can't do skill work then. Yeah. You know? So obviously the two of those potentiate your skill work. But at the end of the day, your sport is skill work. So there's a minimum level of strength that's required to do these skills. Yeah. And building more strength isn't necessarily going to help them a huge amount. In terms of like, if you get to the top end, it's like okay, cool. Doing more, your skills aren't going to get better. So at the end of the day, the most important thing is having this basal level of strength, having this basal level of fitness, and then being as skillful as possible on the field, like or whatever it is that your sport involves. You know, like being more skillful than everyone else is the goal of all sports. Yeah. You know, yeah, okay, cool. Fitness obviously plays into that. Yes, strength plays into that but if you're spending 20 hours per week getting stronger getting fitter and you're spending two hours per week getting more skillful mm, the ratio is off
0: yeah and that's also where i think the whole the strength training being specific thing falls down as well because a lot of people take that idea far too literally you know the idea of strength being specific so you should make training really functional and in order to improve skill people will do things like like let's say for kicking free kicks they put like a cable around their ankle and then they'll kick out to the side as if they're kicking a free kick and it's like man your time would be so much better str- better spent just building that base level of strength everywhere and then going out and trying to hit the ball yeah actually, you know? actually kicking the <laughs> like, ball like if you look at any 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 professional like if you look at David Beckham and what he used to do in order to get to the point where he kicked kick free kicks like that he would do the same training as everyone else but after every session he would stay back and just literally just kick up. free kicks after free kicks after free kicks, after free kicks and for most people listening to this podcast you're probably an amateur athlete that doesn't have a ridiculous amount of time that's free so I mean if you were to choose between going out and practicing some skill that you don't actually normally practice or doing a few extra really hyper specific exercises in the gym I'd go for the skill work once you've done like you're doing your base level of strength work Don't, don't sell yourself short by trying to be a bodybuilder or trying to be this hyper specific athlete because you saw some athlete on youtube doing these specific exercises when you can't you know score a point from the the 36 yard line that's what it is isn't it couldn't 36 yards couldn't <laughs> Holy 45s Come on.
1: anyway um yeah so again needs analysis cardiovascular work is clearly needed strength training clearly needed however it's all useless without skill training so that should always be your priority like yes you may have different focuses throughout the year different times whatever like doing a load of extra skill work at the end of a season probably not hugely beneficial probably not hugely beneficial in your off season but in the lead up to the coming back into the season yeah definitely beneficial in season probably good beneficial as well mm-hmm, you know um, so again you have to look at your whole training you have to look at what you're actually trying to achieve and then you actually need to be honest with yourself because you know you listen listening to this and we're saying like, oh, well, if you're playing a sport and you your sport demands X, um, you shouldn't be focusing on Y. But if you're like, you know what, I actually kind of do want to be a bodybuilder, a gal player. And that's fine. That's perfectly <laughs> fucking fine. Just realise that there's always going to be a trade-off between those two things. and You're not going to maximise either of them by, again, trying to do both at the same time. That's not to say you can't do well, but realize that there is a trade-off you know again it just comes back down to your overall goals and performing that needs analysis like i don't fucking care i'd love to see everyone on the every single sports jacked out in their mind <laughs> you know like i'd love to see that imagine just going down to your local i don't know fucking ballet club uh, or whatever ballet place whatever it's called uh, and they're all just jacked out in their mind imagine that that'd be Ooh. great um but yeah, the one thing we actually haven't touched on on this as well is body composition. That is part of the needs analysis. Right. So if you do have like excessive amounts of body fat that you need to lose uh, to be competitive, then that obviously is a priority. You know, again, it, the opposite way, if you have a lot of muscle mass or body mass full stop to gain, that obviously needs to be a priority. Like if you're getting, you play rugby and you're like, I weigh 60 kilos and wet and you know, you're six foot ten. Probably a bad idea. (laughs) You know? Uh, So you probably need to focus on gaining some muscle, gaining some weight overall. So you have to take your body composition into it. You have to, again, train for that. Again, this is where the the hypertrophy work comes in, the hypertrophy work. Uh, So you do obviously need to perform that needs analysis. And you literally, it's not that hard. You go, what are the demands of my sport? What are the demands of my position? What are my demands related to that position? You know? And... How far off all of those things are you? And then you just go, okay, cool. I'm X amount off where I need to be body composition wise. I see everyone else's six packs flaring if they're in this position. They're all very lean, very muscular. I have a lot of muscle yet, yeah, but I'm actually 20 kilos overweight. Then you know you need you know what you need to focus on. Same again, you're like, okay, cool, my vertical jump is just terrible you need to work on that. You know, your speed, your sprint, terrible. Your fitness, terrible. Whatever the fuck it is, work on that. Strength, again, terrible. You need to work on that. You go, look at it and you go, okay, cool. Actually, my fitness is, I'm always the fittest on the field. I'm always the, the most athletic, but, you know, my body composition maybe lets me down. Work on that. You know, again, like you look at where you're good, where you're bad, put more of your training time where you're bad without neglecting your strengths. Yeah. And I also think
0: the important thing to notice is that, this is a, this is intended to be an overview of strength training. You can get more specific for sure. You can, like, plyometrics is something you should be thinking about. You know, Tr- doing some maybe speed-specific strength work might be something you need to think about. So all of this stuff...
1: Yeah, and even we're just kind of glossed over cardio. Yeah, it's cardio. just a gloss I mean, over we, we kind yeah. of ca- glossed yeah. over cardio, but, like even with that There's like a lot to specific that. adaptations that you're trying to achieve like are you trying to get the the fast twitch fibers a little bit more resistant to, resistant to oxidative stress you know like what, what are we actually trying to achieve there was it just like a systemic effect we're looking for or is it a specific muscular effect mm-hmm. that we're trying to look of, look for so again you have to take that into account you know but again this is just a, a bit of an overview to kind of get the wheels going yeah, and I think that
0: I think to be honest, even if you're just thinking about this stuff, like that does cover a lot of you want a, a lot of what you should be thinking about. You know, it does cover a lot of you know what what you need as an amateur GA athlete who kind of takes it semi seriously but wants to get a bit better and think you need to get stronger to do that. Like that's a p- pretty good place to be. I think some people try and complicate their sports like programming from the start. And you know they they look at these complex periodization systems and they're like, all right, I need to go from hypertrophy to to strength to speed to plyometric, and it's like it's all really advanced and it's like this stuff is only really relevant if you have a base of of muscle mass and strength, like that's where you start, and then you can translate that into more plyometrics and stuff like that. But you know, start with your basics, and you can complicate it over time. But you mightn't even need to if you're just casual. Yeah, again like it's like
1: your base base is fitness and your base is strength once those two things are looked after and you're up to an adequate level then you can start thinking about everything else but again like even with the plyometrics like if you're not strong enough to handle it yeah it's irrelevant if you're not fit enough to be able to do a few fucking jumps again it's irrelevant you know so again you have to look at things in what are your priorities where are you in relation to everything else and then plan accordingly anyway guys we're gonna wrap this up because i have to drive you home and took you into your bed. Oh, um, so, Jenny, parting words. How's placement going, I suppose? It's too easy. How how's college it? going?
0: It's extremely, too easy. Well, there we go. Obviously, that's just life, isn't it? That's pretty much it, yeah. So, sign up to our email newsletter if you want to hear from us more often. We drop a lot of content there. And you're actually
1: going wild with the newsletter these days, aren't you? It's
0: too easy, man. We're sending out little snippets from the militia and everything. So if you want to get insights into the stuff that we actually write, as in like what we actually do with our time, then you should check that out as well because we send out a lot of free information. So
1: it's pretty good. The militia's lit these days. Like the that forum basically I created our own
0: Facebook. Paddy built Facebook.
1: The forum I created is was good, wasn't it? You enjoy it, like, It's fucking interactive. So we, have, we have our, our own forum. Uh, it's good. It's lit. Um. Few other little tasty things coming. You don't even know Gary, but you'll we'll enjoy them when we get, when we get them. Um, it's going good. Like I'm popping two articles per week at least. One well, one week I did fucking ten articles, fourteen <laughs> articles. Actually, I think was the, the ten day total. It was good. Like, um, but two articles at least per week. Um, you're not so much because you're fucking lazy as fuck. Do one week, one animal article a week. <laughs> I do like four animal articles a week well, And then drip like, feed them out well, That's <laughs> 6,000 words Is that all? It's week Anyway This is I believe episode 36 We're wrapping it up Any parting words Gary? It's too easy That's adequate